You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. We're going to open up the Word and we're going to walk forwards together. I'm, I'm super keen. I kind of feel a little bit like, um, like this is one of the defining moments in our campus and, and, I, and I, want, I want you to rise to the challenge that I'm going to set for you today. Uh, because I'm not here to mess around. All right? Don't, don't, just, don't just exist on planet Earth. You've got a great calling on your life. You've got, a, you've got great gifts. God's given you some great stuff. There's an anointing on you. There's something on you for the kingdom, for this house. And, and let's, let's not mess around. And can you, can you get me a stand? Because I'm going to throw this thing on the ground soon. Thanks, brother. You can have a seat. You can open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4. If you got your audio, sorry, not audio. That would be weird. If everyone's, <laughs> everyone's listening to their own audio Bible, if you can all be in sync with that, that'd be great. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. Hey, um, thanks, Todd and Karina, for really taking us places today. I'm just going to shift this into what I feel is the center of the uh, of, of the room. <laughs> uh, in in the in the same hand, I, I want to have some fun this morning with this word, and um, but I'm really feeling moved of the spirit today. To um, you, hopefully, hopefully you won't be offended too much with what I say, but it's not my mission to not offend you. It's not my calling to not offend you. I remember Pastor Pete McHugh, he said, uh, sometimes God will offend your head to get to your heart. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, And it turns out that I've, that I don't have my message on my iPad. So here you go. Um, Lucky I have a backup. (laughs) Always. On my phone, so it's going to look like I'm scrolling on Instagram, but I'm not. I'm actually on my phone. If it's going to work, we're just going to see if this is going to work because I haven't set this up. Clearly, I really haven't set this up. Um, hang on a minute. We might be going like solo on away from. Away from the... No, no, no. Here we go. Okay, there's going to be a message. Oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, good. Yes. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> Woo. Because I got some stuff to say, and I didn't want to just... I didn't want me just to be freeloading, you know, like free, free going for it. Um, so we're continuing our series on the Father's House. We're finishing the, the, this part of the series called Build Today. And Pastor Earl is, I'm so glad you're here, man, because you get to hear me preach and, and then you get to like take on and move us forward next week. So this is good. It means you don't have to listen to the podcast this week. Man, you'd say, I'm saving your time. This is good. So uh, we, we've been talking about Nehemiah and there's so much in Nehemiah for us, for the church of today. And uh, this guy called Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. Uh, and this is when the Israelites had gone into exile. It's Nehemiah is the end of the Old Testament chronologically. Nehemiah is the end, not Malachi. Malachi is the end of the Old Testament, right? In your Bible, 
But they, the, some, some, some genius thought it would be a good idea to, 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 to lay out the Old Testament like it is. But Nehemiah, chronologically, is the end of the Old Testament. After Nehemiah, I mean, there's some prophetic stuff that's happening around Nehemiah, but then you've got a 400-year gap before Jesus arrives on the scene. So if you picture the New Testament and Jesus walking around in Jerusalem, Jerusalem is a thriving city. It is a thriving city in a thriving nation under Roman occupation, under Roman rule. But, but in the time of Nehemiah, there's only a handful of people who live in Jerusalem at the time. Because the walls were demolished, Ezra had brought, sorry, Zerubbabel had brought home, uh, and with, with Ezra's guidance, Ezra was the high priest, and Zerubbabel had brought a remnant back to, to move back into Jerusalem, which was completely abandoned, right? And they'd rebuilt the temple. But there's still only a handful of people there because the walls hadn't been established. So therefore, anyone could just enter into Jerusalem and take whatever they wanted. So Nehemiah's brother, in Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah's brother talks to him about, this is the state of Jerusalem, and Nehemiah weeps for days. Understands he's got a calling on his life to go and rebuild the city of God. That's big. That's kind of like what you and I have been called to do. Okay, Jerusalem in the Old Testament is the new Jerusalem of today a.k.a. Zion, a.k.a. the church. All right? So we're called to build the city of God, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. I don't know why I'm in Ezekiel, but now I'm moving over into the right place and I need to make sure my phone doesn't keep turning off because otherwise I'm going to be all over the shop today. That's what y'all want. Here we go. All right. So in uh, Nehemiah, we are in Nehemiah chapter 4. Um, and last week, Pastor Jez, we already talked about that. Two weeks ago, we revealed that it only took them 52 days to rebuild the entire wall. Four kilometres long, 12, and a half, 12 metres high, two and a half metres thick. You know, there's 40 different teams working on the wall, 52 days to rebuild it. That's pretty good. All right, so we're picking it up in Nehemiah 4. There's been a lot of opposition and uh, I'm reading from verse 10. It says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to their work. Serious stuff is going on. Verse 12, then the Jews who live near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Isn't that so helpful? When other people start talking the enemy's words to you. Oh my goodness, the enemy's gonna overtake us. We're doomed. Nehemiah acts and he says, it says, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, putting them by, posting them by families with their swords. I love that, by families. You ever thought of serving in the house of God as a family? You ever thought of doing it together? How cool will that be? You rock up together, 
Because look, if, if, if husband and wife are on different teams and you gotta drop someone off and then go and, you know, mull around, do something else for a little while and turn back up, just be on the same team. It's just easier. Just do that. Uh, if you can't, that's fine. Uh, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Let's pray. God, I want to pray that you would help us to, to see today. You'd, you would open our eyes. You'd help us to see the big picture. The big picture of what you're doing in the church, in our church, in this city. And God, you would give us a greater heart to leave a bigger legacy, to leave a greater deposit and a stronger, more advanced kingdom in our city than ever before. Help us to give our lives to build your church and advance your kingdom wherever we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this, uh, this passage reveals to us some pretty cool stuff uh, and some insights into what holds us back from building with God. So today, I am unapologetically gonna talk about our campus and our church, all right? Uh, and because Nehemiah is building something of deep value and he's building not just to, not just to create a wall, right? He's not seeing his purpose as just to put a wall back together. He's seeing his purpose as to rebuild the city of God into the glorious thing that she can be, right? And as that, that, that's, that's us. We're, we, are, we are here to build this glorious thing called the Bride of Christ so that people will find God here, right? You're all pretty happy about that. Good. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start at verse 10. I'm going to work our way through. Number one, I have two points for you today. They're wildly different points. So take notes, right? And give me some feedback. Like if I say something good, you'd be like, yeah, preach it or something like that. You know, that's good. Uh, so yeah, that's good. Now, when I say something really good, all right? Not just, not the rest of the time when I'm saying good things. When I say something really good, then you can, that's only every now and then. All right, point number one is that, that there is strength in togetherness, all right? Verse 10 says, meanwhile, the people in Judah says, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall, okay? There's not enough rest for the workers. There's not enough workers for the job that, that's happening. Anyone work for an employer where there's not enough workers for their job? Are you kidding me? There's too much on my plate. I can't do all this in one week. Anyone do that? Anyone, anyone like, like, yeah, like, yeah, okay, a few people here. It's like, it's like, there's so much on my portfolio. Are you kidding me, boss? Right? Or I don't get paid enough for this. Anyone? Anyone in that boat? Yeah, I don't get paid enough for this. This is crazy. I said to my boss, I said to my boss years ago, I'm like, yeah, but that would be more work for me. And he goes, but you're still getting paid, right? I'm like, good point. Gonna go and add that to my list. <laughs> Put me in my place. Anyway, it's all good. 
right? When it's only a few people doing the, the bulk of the work, it's not fair, is it? Right? It's like when you have a baby. You've got two people doing the work of three. Well, really, it's, it's normally just one person doing the work of three. And then after a while, the husband goes, oh, oh, good, I have to start, oh, good, yes. Oh, I'll contribute, I'll help. Oh, I can, I, I can do washing, it's amazing. I remember when I got that revelation, Beck liked me a lot more. <laughs> it was true. And then you have, you have like a few toddlers running around and now it's like two people doing the work of five because who knows when you ask a child to clean their room, that ain't happening. You know, you got to sow those seeds from a young age. Oh, you picked up something? Here's a lollipop. Well done. You know, it's like trying to empower every child to, to pick stuff up after themselves. Yeah, right? And then what happens? Mum and dad are tired for years. For, I, don't know, I don't know when the last moment was that I wasn't tired. Anyone tired? Are you tired? I'm a little bit tired. You know, I don't think there's going to be a point where I won't be able to have a nap, ever. Anyway, right? There they will. Thank you, Jesus. That's the, that's the voice of wisdom on the front row right there. <laughs> I appreciate that. But like, church camp was so awesome because we had a roster for everything. Everyone was doing stuff. You know, everyone was involved. I, not, not like one person wasn't doing everything because everyone was doing something. That's how family works. That's how church works. That's how business works. That's how ministry works. You know, everyone's doing something, so, but not, every, not, not one person's doing everything. And that's what we want. Verse 13 says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places. Right? Posting them by families. Okay, some parts of the wall weren't getting built up as, as quickly as the other parts. These places are vulnerable. They need greater strength. So Nehemiah, he's wise. He stations people at these exact locations by families to build the strength of the wall, to protect the builders at the time. Right? But they're not just building a wall and this is the challenge. This is the challenge is that you're not just, you're not, Todd, you're not just playing a couple of notes and singing a couple of songs. He's building the church. He's creating an atmosphere. We're setting a foundation for future generations. You're not just preparing some coffee or minding someone's angelic children. All right, all right. You're building the church. It's brick by brick. It's not glorious for a while. See, I want us to see the potential of the church in society, what she was designed for, not what she is, not how she is perceived, what her potential is. Because if I... I it's not inspiring to me to lay my life down for something that is perceived as being irrelevant to the world. 
But if I get an understanding and a revelation on the, the, the bride of Christ, on the church, on what she is designed by God to be in the world, I'm gonna lay everything down. I'm gonna be like, God, everything for your glory, everything for your church. There's only one thing that Jesus said that He would build and that is His church. So He's got a purpose for her. He's got a plan for this thing. Now, I'm not saying that all these plans are just for this campus, but there's a lot of truth that I can pull out of Scripture and go, yeah, well, this is for us too. It's the church. And here's the, here's the kicker, because it's not even just for us and for now. It's for later and it's for them. Because if you just see your role in the house of God as being on a seat on a Sunday, there's more for you. There's more for you. But just seeing it for us and now, that's a limited view of what we're here for. Nehemiah wasn't building a wall just so people could be a little bit safer. He was establishing something for future generations so that the city of Jerusalem could thrive. So that people, because you know where the temple of God was? Back in Jerusalem. He was creating, I'm just getting this now. He was creating the way for people to experience God. Guess where Jesus was going to die? Right. So what we are doing by turning up early and setting up something or minding children or being on band, what we are doing is establishing something that will build and grow and make a difference there and later, not just here and now. Is that all right? Yeah. So... Um, Couple of barriers to that. Oh, I love these ones. Uh, is uh, that's not my gifting, and this isn't my passion. Oh, I love those because I wholeheartedly believe in gift-oriented ministry. Totally believe in it. I believe you should discover your gifts. You should be serving in the house of God or outside the house of God in the place of your gifts. That's absolutely right. But but you know what? I don't have the spiritual gift of washing up. But my family, my family needs me to turn up every single night and wash those dishes because that's my job because I'm a terrible cook. <laughs> but learning, it's taken a bit of a slow path this year, babe. I'm sorry. It, it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily my gifting to serve in any department or every department. And I'm sorry about this. It's not my gifting to tithe. But I'm responsible as a part of the family of God to contribute to the financial viability of my church. Okay? I'm sorry if that burns. But we need to lift. All right? Right? We need to lift in this area. And I'm, that's, I'm just saying it. 
because sometimes you've got to say it, right? We need to be responsible for the financial viability of our campus because I don't want to build a campus that's reliant on the finances and the teams of the other campus, right? We're going to a new place as a church, as a campus, and it's awesome, and I love it. And I love how many people are turning up every Sunday. And I love that we're, we're, we're learning how to love one another and embrace other people. But we have got to contribute. Because I don't want to be relying on Central Campus for our anything. Right? And I'm not just saying, hey, we, do, we can do it ourselves. We don't need you. It's not about that. It's about us standing up on our own two feet as a campus and taking responsibility for what's ours. Okay, cool. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Verse 20 says this. I don't know if I put it in your, in your notes, um, Josh. I don't know if it's there. Verse 20 says, Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, and our God will fight for us. Whoa! Right? Let me sound the trumpet right now. This is what I'm doing. All right, I'm sounding the trumpet because we got some areas of our church that need help or they're not going to function anymore. All right, uh, let me talk about three of those. Um, apart from we need anyone to be making meals so that when people go through hardship, we've got a storage of meals, right? That, that'd be good. I need, more, I, need, I need more group leaders, more V group leaders. So please talk to me if you're interested, all right? But these are the three areas that, we, that I need you to rally to. All right? I'm sounding the trumpet in this area. It's a terrible trumpet, I know. Anyone got a trumpet? Okay, good. Right? I need us to rally to the venue team. All right? Sam, can you stand up? Sam is the person to talk to if you are interested in being on venue team. Now, we have two main areas in this one, and that's hospitality and welcome right now. But I would love to have a car park team. Yeah. Yeah. That, would be, that would be great. I'd love to have a new people team as well. So we've got, like we got vision in this area. Sam's overseeing this team. Be great if you could be on that team, all right? Uh, our kids team needs, at a minimum, two support people for our primary room and our under fives room. You don't have to do much. You just have to be present in the room and not kill anyone. Okay? And just, just, just try and be nice. Just try and be nice to the little ones. Okay? Now, now, now I'm being frank here, but we've got, we've got challenges in both campuses right now. So uh, Jess and the Cowans are not in our campus because they're serving at our other campus today. All right? So the idea is that we're, we're actually all coming to the party at both campuses today, and we are rallying to the point of the exposed places to build strength. Okay? The, uh, the third area, actually, if you want, you can talk to me or Pastor Beck about being on the kids' team today or send us a text or talk to Jess about that um, during the week. Third area is creative team. Todd, can you stand up for us? We all know who you are because you've got the loudest voice in the room. Actually, I think I'll claim that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So if you, have, if you have a gift or any interest in creative, and that means music, band, sound, and production, we have needs in all of those areas, right? So if you have a gift or a desire, 
have a chat to this man. That'd be great. Thank you, Todd. All right. All right. It's good. Okay, I'm ready to move on to my second point. And there's some, some people are going, I'm really ready for that too, because I'm kind of burning right here. Good, 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 good. Uh, something else that Nehemiah deals with in these exact verses we're talking about um, and, and, and this is something that really prevents us from building anything in our lives. It prevents us from building our families and building our marriages and building our, our businesses and building our careers and building our lives, right? And it's something that Nehemiah had to deal with directly in this passage, and it's fear, right? Number two, fear arrests our focus but trust corrects it. I'm going to read verse 11 and 12 again. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. There's a threat. There's a very serious threat. And then Helpfully, verse 12, then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Thanks, helpful friends. <laughs> All right, so there's a threat of harm, but there's also a threat to their legacy. Because if, 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 they, if they get harmed, if they get killed, I was going to say, if they get dead, right? <laughs> if they get harmed or killed, the legacy is not going to be there. They won't rebuild the city of God. And this is exactly what the enemy wants for us. He wants you to think that if you step out for God, oh, you got a target on you. What about that verse in Scripture that says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him? What about, what about I'll give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy? What about those Scriptures? Why aren't we memorising those ones? What about if you believe you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer, Matthew 21, 22, right? What about those Scriptures? But we're, we're scared to step into the call of God for our lives for a whole bunch of reasons, right? Verse 11, there's a threat. Verse 12, now you've got the presence of fear. It's not just the presence of a threat anymore. Now the people are starting to talk. There's an agreement with the enemy. That's the only, that's the only place the devil has authority in your life when you agree with him. I listened to this great podcast from Erwin McManus this week and uh, it's called The Way of the Warrior. He's got a new book out and um, it takes me a long time to get to a good book because I've got to finish all the 18,000 books I've started and haven't finished yet. <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, there's a podcast, great. So there's three podcast episodes. I jumped on Spotify, which has podcasts. I had no idea about that. So I downloaded all the episodes I want to listen to. I'm in the car a lot this week and last week. And I'm like, great, I'm going to listen to all the podcasts. And I listened to the first one, blew my mind. Every Christian needs to listen to or read the book, The Way of the Warrior, Erwin McManus. Code one is talking about the warrior only fights for, for peace. 
and uh, he's talking a lot about fear. And he says this. He says, fear is just a negative faith in the future. Fear is the projection of the worst possibility of the future. It's like, oh man. So what fear does is fear rips your focus from sowing in, from building, from creating, from contributing, from establishing, from, from setting something up, from the ministry, from an outward focus, from loving on people, from making meals for people, from caring for someone who's going through a hard time, from, you know, from serving, from loving, from listening to the voice of the Spirit and being responsive, right? Fear goes, oh my goodness, what have I got to fix now? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Look at, look at this. I've got to fix this over here. I've got to re... No, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I can't help you guys. I'm, I'm, re- I'm busy building my own thing. Why? Because I'm scared. Fear shifts my focus to me and my and restoring and just holding on. It causes us to be in faith about the negative. Remember, we're in a fear, sorry, we're in a faith economy here. So whatever you got faith in, that's what you're empowering. Right? 1 Peter, verse three, uh, 1 Peter 3 verse 9 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I want to just pick out a, a word in there. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Like, like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He doesn't have authority over you. Look, read, read the, the start of the book of Job. All right? Okay. Uh, the devil rocks up into heaven and goes, hey, hey God, um, check out your, your dude Job down there. And God's like, he's pretty awesome. And the devil's like, I'm going to have a go at him. And God goes, yeah, all right but don't harm his body. The devil's on a leash. Right? He's only got authority and power in your life where you agree with him. So I love it. It says, be alert. doesn't say be alarmed. Just be alert. I'm alert. I'm not unaware. The word says, I'm not unaware of the enemy's schemes. And one of the biggest schemes of the enemy is fear and intimidation. All day, all day, all the time. Fear and intimidation. Smoke and mirrors. That's all it is. He's just like a roaring lion. He's just threatening to harm us. Okay. There's never a battle in Nehemiah 4 or to the rest of the chapter. They're freaking out. Everyone's working on the wall, one hand on their sword, the other hand doing the work. Like, I don't know how you do that. Like, I'm I'm, I'm ready to fight. I'm fighting and building at the same time. I'm ready to fight, but I'm building. But there's never a battle described in all of Nehemiah. The fight never comes. 
most of the stuff that we worry about is never going to happen. True? Most of the fear in your life that will cause you to freak the heck out and just do your own thing, just trying to build up my own storehouse over here. Most of the stuff you're worried about is never going to happen. I mean, they assigned half of the people just to be on guard. But the battle never happens. Insane. They never actually fought the battle. So uh, I know I'm jumping out of uh, Nehemiah, but in Nehemiah 6, sorry, in Nehemiah 4, but in Nehemiah 6, this is what happens. Uh, Verse 9 It says, you don't have this, Josh. Verse nine, it says, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Whoa. This is is after. Oh man. Uh, Verse 13, uh, there's a guy who is paid to intimidate them. That's it. The devil's just trying to intimidate you. He doesn't want you to build your life in God. He doesn't want you to build your family in God. It's hard. It's really hard. But the devil's like, it's too hard. It's way too hard for you. You haven't got what it takes. You thought you felt the presence of God. That was just tingles. He's trying to, he's trying to intimidate you. He's trying to sow a bunch of lies so that, so that you feel helpless to build anything of substance. Verse 15, the wall's completed in in 52 days. Amazing. Verse 16, it says, when all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realised the work had been done with the help of our God. The people weren't afraid anymore. It was all the surrounding nations, all the enemies of the work. They were afraid. Whoa. You, you and I, how much of our lives do we waste because we're stuck being scared about something that's not going to happen? Wow. One of our primary motivators is fear. Yeah. Totally. I'm putting up my hand on that one. That's a motivator. What if this happens? What? And then, well, if that happens, do I have enough money in the bank? Well, I've got to take more shifts. Well, I've got to, I've got to do more. And maybe I need another job. Maybe I have to start packing shelves in the nighttime because I've got a job. I, got, I, got, I, I, I had so many jobs for a while, I didn't know what I was, what, what I was doing. <laughs> right? Maybe I'll be in fear about my family. Well, we've got to spend more time together. And so, you know, sorry, I can't come to church anymore because it's us. And we've got to go on more holidays and more weekends away. And, or maybe it's fear that you're not enough. Fear that, you have, you're, you, that your gifts don't matter. Fear that you haven't got what it takes. Fear that you can't contribute. What? Fear that it's doomed. Marriage, family, career, job, business. Fear that it's not going to work anyway. What's the point? Fear that maybe you're a nobody. 
this is, this is all legitimate stuff that people deal with. And I'm just, I'm just hitting the surface here. Some of these are deep-seated fears that we need to, we need to, ex, we need to expose to God and make a decision to trust Him regardless of what we can see in the natural, regardless of the lies that we are being spoken to by the enemy or by friends. Whatever your fear bent is, that's what the enemy's gonna use to distract you. I need to really wrap things up. So I wanna, I wanna just land on verse 14. I ain't got time for that. Verse 14. I want to read this again. It says, After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the world and don't be afraid of the devil. Some people put a lot, of, a lot of emphasis on the devil and some people don't put enough. I'm kind of middle of the road on this one. I'll deal with a, with a demonic when it raises its head, but I don't go chasing for it. But don't be afraid. Identify fear in your world. And then he says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Choose to trust God in this area of your world. Because if you don't, you'll be stuck in this place until you deal with it. Because fear is paralysis. And then it says, and fight for your families, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. We've got we to get back up and fight for the generation that is around us and the generation that is coming after us. See, this is not just about this life and where you're at right now, it's never been just about you. It's not just about the stuff that you're dealing with. It's also about the people around you and how you can be a channel of grace and love and power together as a body to impact planet Earth for the next generation. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.